I'm Chip Freud, and this is the Artist Spotlight, conversations with contemporary artists based on five simple questions that explore the artist's journey, creativity, and sources of inspiration. Welcome to another episode of the Artist Spotlight. I'm Chip Freund, and today I'm joined by Jane Cheek, a mixed-media artist whose work immerses the viewer in moving rainbows of color. Jane is a native North Carolinian who works out of her art space studio in downtown Raleigh. Welcome, Jane. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, glad to have you on. As you know, we're uh, this podcast is all about our five questions. So without any further ado, let's roll on into the first question, which is, what is your earliest memory of making art of any kind? You know, that's a, that's a good question. I can't remember not making art, um, but I would say starting probably in middle school, I really got serious about it. Um, I was that kid that sewed their own clothes and wore them to school. Um, I remember getting really into mixed media and finding random things around the house and like slapping them on canvas. Uh, I made this one kind of awful looking piece where I used toilet paper <laughs> and string and glued it to a canvas and painted over it. So I was very into texture. Um, but then I had a great art teacher in high school that taught me how to boutique, which was really, really fun. And then I wound up going to state and getting a degree in art studies from there. And then I taught art and it's just kind of always been there in some form. Absolutely. It's interesting of uh, the artists I've spoken with thus far, you're the first to call out an art teacher uh, as being uh, a key element. And I remember, even though I really didn't start my art career until well into my adulthood, um, but I can definitely go back to elementary school and junior high and point to very influential art teachers that I had uh, who, even though the art I was creating at the time was nothing of any consequence <laughs> other than, you know, a mother might save, um, mm -hmm. but it gave me an appreciation for it. And I don't think we say enough about the importance of teaching art in school. So as a yeah. fact, as you as a as an art teacher, thank you. Yeah, it was very, uh, it was definitely an important part of me feeling like I could become an artist. And then I, you know, right out of college, I became an art teacher. And I think without like those art teachers in my life, that wouldn't have been something that came up. So yeah, yeah. they were great. Excellent sort of leads into our, our next question. What is your current primary media and what led you to it? So I work in uh, collage, a lot of, and installation. Most of my work is um, done on mylar that I paint with acrylics. And then I cut and sew them together to make the compositions. Um, how did I come to it? It's a great question. I think I've always had a strong interest in textiles and in painting. Um, actually started off in the College of Textiles at State before finishing with the art degree. And along in between, I, I tried out a lot of different majors along the way, trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. Um, 
but I think like that interest in textiles has always stuck with me um, in my art practice. And I was actually looking for a way to make a translucent circle on a painting that I was working on. I used to just work on canvas, acrylic, 2D, um, abstract paintings. And I had been trying to make it work with organza fabric, but it was just a struggle. You know, it was stretching in all the wrong ways and I couldn't get it to keep its form. So I went to the craft store looking for um, vellum. I thought that might be the answer. They were out of vellum, but they had this product um, called Graphics Duralar. So Mylar is like the brand name for polyester film. And that's the one that everyone recognizes. Um, Duralar is a similar product by a different company. Um, and they've really marketed towards making like an archival polyester film. So I wound up picking that up because it looked a lot like vellum and I experimented with it and it was not very long after like putting those Duralar circles on canvas that I was like, I don't even need the canvas anymore. Like I can do so many other things with this. And that's kind of the start of it all. That was oh, a couple years ago. That's neat. That's neat. Because I'd never seen anything quite like what you do. Um, so always interested in how did we get here? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think until like maybe two or three years ago when I started working on the um, kind of the Mylar art quilts and the installations, um, everything up until that point, I think was experimentation, like trying to figure out a process and a medium that I really liked. And then it just kind of all fell together. Very cool. Very cool. What inspires your art? Where does it come from for you? So most of my work is inspired by these small moments and experiences in nature. Um, seemingly mundane, like small little, you know, sitting on the porch, drinking coffee and watching the leaves. And then it becomes this leaf installation on a tree uh, or driving and seeing a rainbow and it becomes a larger installation or even the quilts are um, from just like a regular old Sunday afternoon hike that I make into kind of a, a bigger statement. Um, so I like capturing those small memories and making them into something bigger. I feel like that is maybe part of like a practice of being living in the moment and staying present and practicing gratitude and all of that um, from like a spiritual perspective. And then from an aesthetic perspective, like I really enjoy using color and playing with light um, in order to kind of make these more emotional representations of nature. So I'm not trying to capture the way something really looks so much as the way it feels when you're experiencing it. Hmm. I get that. I absolutely get that. <laughs> yeah, and, your work is very uh, nature-based and a lot of it feels more dreamlike than reality, like the, the misty photograph. I think I saw that one when I met you. Yeah, and some of them, uh, like the thing behind me now is just a grand sunset over at Jordan Lake. 
So some of those are big, but some of my favorite things are the intimate landscapes. Mm -hmm. A very simple thing, like a stick reflected in the water on a foggy day. That yeah. may be one you may have seen, or, mm -hmm. or a boardwalk disappearing into the fog. So something that we all walk by every day, mm -hmm. but stopping to acknowledge it and, and capture that moment that others may not see. So I, Yep, exactly. You need to have that in common, even though our finished works are so very different. Yeah, yeah. As you look back on your career, if you were to be sitting down with a, a new artist uh, just starting their career, what kind of advice would you give them? I think the most important thing to do as a new artist is to focus on the work that you're making. Um, I think, and it, it happened to me too, but you tend to like, and maybe it's part of our society, but we tend to relate success to money. And so we tend to focus on sales, which is important if art is your job, you know, you need, you do need to eat and make a living. But I think when you're first starting out, if you can ignore the sales and not worry about that side of things, um, focus on the work and making consistent work frequently, often is as often as you have time for making work that you're proud of. Um, I think it's also important while like knowing about other artists is really important. I think that we can also fall into that comparison trap. Mm -hmm. And so at least I've been very careful that when I'm working, I try to block out everything else. Um, I try not to like go on social media and look at other art before I start working because that stays with you. It gets in your head and it prevents you from doing your own thing. Um, and then I think the other part of that is that you have to enjoy making the work. So yes. like I was saying before, I found the media that I really love. I did a lot of experimenting and a lot of that along the way, like I would make work that I thought was good work but I got bogged down in the process of it it wasn't enjoyable it was too tedious or just got tired of making that piece um so I think if you were trying to build a sustainable art practice you have to have a sustainable process mm. um where you really enjoy going into the studio or going into your workspace and starting something and you can't wait to get back to it. Um, so when you find that media that you really can't step away from, then I think you've found your style and you, that's what you need to stick with. Hmm. Okay. I, I've heard others say you get good at doing the work by doing the work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, your other comment about, you know, making the work that you want to make, one of the mantras I keep reminding myself of is make the work I love. If, if I love it, mm -hmm. then that's enough. If I get a sale off of it, that's the cherry on top. Yeah. Uh, because it's too easy to chase after trying to make what you think others are going to want 
but fad and fashion are going to be so fleeting that by the time you're making it, they've moved on. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you lose the joy and then it shows in your work. Yeah, absolutely. And in the long run, what um, collectors are looking for is a strong voice and you're not going to develop that by just speaking to, you know, all these different uh people's wants and desires and trying to be a chameleon of an artist you'll develop that by being true to yourself so the other thing i was struck by there was the idea of um, you know not imitating whereas i think in just about every art form you look at you know even you know the great painters of the days of yore they started off by duplicating techniques of the the big names of their era Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think every landscape photographer starts off trying to duplicate an Ansel Adams or something. Like that. <laughs> uh, but in the end, you've got to use that purely as a way of learning technique, mm -hmm. not as a way of finding your voice. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good tool for learning how how to do your uh, art form. But in the end, like you have to walk away from that. You have to find your own voice. Yeah. Yep. The, uh, the question I wrap up each of these interviews with is, can you give us the name of an artist that you think we should all check out? And this could be somebody alive today, could be somebody who is long since gone, somebody you've just discovered, or somebody who's been a major influence throughout your career. But who should we go check out? So I could not really narrow that down to just one artist. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> so not, you're, not alone in yeah, you're not alone in that. <laughs> but uh, two um, artists who I find to be very inspirational are contemporary uh, women installation artists. Um, they both work with ideas of kinetic movement and light and color. Um, one of them is Janet Eckelman. Uh, I believe she still has a piece up at um, the downtown park in Greensboro. I think that's the closest place to see her work in real life. Um, but she works with like rope and fishing net to create suspended sculptures that look like they're just falling from the sky and they move with the wind and they're usually colorful. Um, and I think her work is really inspirational. Um, there was recently a documentary done on her as well, which was really interesting just to get to listen to her process and how uh, how she came up with everything and kind of engineer from an engineering perspective, because so much of installation work is very kind of engineering. There's a lot of math and figuring of things. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then the other artist, um, also contemporary installation artist, her name is Rachel Hayes. Um, and she's a textile artist who sews giant kind of translucent fabric quilts. Um, but the scale is enormous. I mean, they'll fill up like a field. Wow. Um, and they're really amazing. And she'll photograph them out on sand dunes or out in the Midwest on a big, like, you know, flat road. Um, and they really just dwarf these landscapes, which is really amazing. Um, so I think her work is definitely worth checking out as well. And then 
everyone at art space. If you're, if you're out and about looking for local art, definitely stop by art space or 311 gallery. Um, there's so much art locally in Raleigh that is worthwhile. Well, thank you for those tips. And yeah. thanks for taking uh, some time out of your morning to, to speak with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chip. All right. <laughs> well, this has been another installment in the Artist Spotlight. Uh, today, we were speaking with Jane Cheek. If you want to learn more about Jane, you can check out her website, janecheek.com. Or as she just indicated, you can meet her at her studio down at Artspace in downtown Raleigh. Uh, with that, we'll sign off on this episode, and we look forward to hearing from you next time. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Artist Spotlight with Chip Freund. Find accompanying blog posts at shipfreundphoto.com slash blog, and you may subscribe to our show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like listening.